Welcome to Creative Welly, episode 15. My name is DK, and you're very welcome here. This is the audio podcast of the video podcast that is Creative Welly, the video podcast produced by our friends at Empire Film and John O'Tucker, and we're hosted by David Hamilton at Flashdog Studios. In this episode, we get to chat with Queen Olivia and Pat Shepard, two amazing souls based in Wellington here. We cover off topics such as charity, comedy, creativity, design, drag, gender, generosity, investing, and kilts also make an appearance. So please listen and enjoy the Creative Welly episode 15. How are we feeling today? Are we all good? Mm. Having a good start of your week? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> I um, wish great. Harm on patient, whatever letter of the alphabet. What do you mean? Patient letter of the alphabet, who in Auckland. Oh, sorry, yes, because they're. Yes. L-M-N-O-P, I forget. Patient. Which we're up to now, right? Is that what they call it when Yeah, yeah, it's like patient alphabet letter. Yes. Who did the things. It's tough, isn't it? to listen to that and go seriously, but then there's backstories and angles, like some people oh, have man. to feed their kids. And no, he's just a 21-year-old. I used to live with teenagers. They're fucking idiots. And we were all young and That's stupid and crazy, right? They were fucking idiots. <laughs> we were all fucking idiots. <laughs> and the worst thing is that no one has to do anything because it's such a small community in New yeah. Zealand. His life's, he might, might as well just move to Australia. It is challenging, that small community mentality. Mm. And, uh, and I suppose we could all speak to that. I'm from a place called Pontypridd. In South Wales. Population. Bloody hell, 50 odd. Bloody hell. Maybe a little bit larger. Fuck. Not that big. Um, well, I, I come from a place called Tree Forest in Pont de Prix, on the side of a valley, right? Um, the only thing um, that people know Pont de Prix for is Tom Jones. Okay. Literally his birthplace. And oh, really? Yeah, that's what we're famous so for. So you're like related to him? No, but I did grow up in a street. Like literally adjacent to sure. where you grew up, that's yeah, like yeah, close. So yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I am. Someone out of those fifty had to be related. Exactly. So. Right. And I do have the same surname, so I suppose Jones. Yeah. Yeah. We're all. And, <laughs> but let's be honest, Jones is a bit popular <laughs> in Wales, yeah. so uh, it's yeah. one of those uh, things. Uh, and I know you're from Ngarrawa so, here. Thank you. Population five thousand, which is a hundred times Ooh. bigger, which is like not. I keep looking right down the barrel. Hi. You're drawn to that, aren't I you? I am. But the small place where you were <clears> from, <throat> say it again. Not all here. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I was, where, where in, in the world is that? Uh, in, is it next hour, to Tron? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like half an hour's drive north of the Tron. Thank you. The most syphilitic city in New Zealand. What a great uh, description of the Tron. True story. I don't know if they still have that title, but there was a while where they yeah. were like, so, funny enough, you don't see it when you drive in. It's not a sign that they put well, you up. You know how, like, if you head up to Palmerston North, they're like facial eczema count because you've seen that, right? Like in the rural New Zealand, this is a real thing. Okay. Sorry. They could have that for like, mm-hmm. you know, cities like syphilis count, wear a condom. On that point, I'm trying to trying to. So, where are you from, and what is your place famous for that's bad? <clears throat> Although Tom Jones oh. is not bad, let me just say that. And Tom Jones is not bad. He's yeah, my yeah. hero. I'm trying to think of it. I don't think there's much bad with it. There's got to be something. I mean, oh no, no, Gunnar well, here's great. Hamilton's the problem child. You're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from West Hill, which is near Aberdeen in Scotland. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like we're like the 10, 15 minutes away from the oil capital of Britain. I North, guess. North Sea. North sea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So um, I guess that was it. it was kind of like the the big booming Aberdeen, and then now the crashing 
oil price is not really worth anything yeah. type place. So yeah, it's um, so that's really. But I'm trying to think if there's anything bad from West Hill. Deep fried Mars bars. They were they were from close. They oh, were like okay. twenty minutes. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We just deep fried kebabs or something. Yeah, that just was... chip buddies for lunch at school. Ooh. That was a common one. Yum. You know, or yeah, or chips and cheese if you were kind of from other areas. Oh, what now in cheese? Chips and cheese. Oh, chips and chips, cheese. Yes, yeah, chips coated with cheese. Wow, what a great idea. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's so awful. Is it like slices of cheese or like grated? Grated, right. melted. Oh, yum. yeah. Not the healthiest thing to grow up on your lunch, but yeah. you know, a good reason to escape the school canteen. Um, I'd like to lose some weight, and um, a new drug was uh, okayed in New Zealand, maybe like last year. I can't remember what it's called, and I inquired to my GP, and she was like, okay, look, I can prescribe this for you, but it's like you'll lose two to four kilos, and you'll have nausea. And I was like, forget about it. Like, I'll just eat raw chicken. <laughs> oh, it's $500 a month. Oh, bloody oh, hell, wow. yeah. Because yeah. that might... it's not subsidised. No. Wow. Are yeah, we yeah. Yeah. So in terms of, like, where you were all brought up, I have a, and over the last 10 years, definitely a deep affiliation with being Welsh. But I had to move away to feel it. <laughs> and I'm wondering what do you have an affiliation back home what you, where do you call home? Or do you still call it home? Mm. Not really. I yeah. mean, God, stop looking at the camera. It's right there. It's okay. <laughs> Moth to the flame. Yeah. <laughs> see people are like, ah, oh, he's looking at me. Yeah. I see you. Mm. I see you there. Um, uh, probably to our Māori, even though I'm 100% Pākehā, uh, my high school was like a 30-second walk from Tūranga Waiwai, which is like Tainui HQ. Right. Okay. So yeah. that's your. Yeah, it's kind of tricky in the world of like uh, appropriation leading to cancellation. I just kind of just keep that one for me. Like I don't I don't trade on that in my social media. Sure. I think, but I mean, my family definitely was getting away from England. My mum's English and has nothing good okay. to say about the place because they were working class. And mm. um, my great-grandfather was a miner who was blinded in a mining accident. And so my impression of how my family was treated in England was lubricant in the imperial machine. Mm. And so there was definitely a feeling of like coming somewhere to have a better life, that migrant story. Um, unfortunately, um, that was at the expense of another people. And mm. now we all live with that. Do you know what part of England? Can... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, they're from a little town called Beresford in the north, okay. near Hexham, near Hadrian's Wall. Boom. Okay. There we go. Now I've located my brain. So my um, grandfather had a broad Geordie accent right. and was the mayor of Ngaroa here. Wow. Really? Okay. So lovely. Came all, wow. So came yeah. over here and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, before the, when he was back. In, so basically, uh, I can talk and talk about this. Um, uh, because of World War II, he got to travel travel right so I mean it's kind of shitty kind of travel but he saw a world bigger than a little village where he had to plant potatoes so that he could eat the potatoes and not starve to death it wasn't a great time right Um, and uh, so he got on one of those ships not he's not quite a 10 bob pom but pretty close got on a ship in 1953 and came to Wellington. But the audaciousness of that, if you think about it, I know he travelled, but equally a lot of people he... Like travel, like he's in the army, right? For sure, so he, he was taken around. Like yes. I travel when I go to fucking LAX and have a lovely time on the west coast of America. Sure, yeah. he, was a, he was 
like more lubricant for an imperial machine, right? Yeah, like yeah. the owning classes are fighting, we'll round the working classes up mm. and make them experience the worst horrors of their life. So it's more, more about not just bravery, because I think it would be brave to do that, to leave a whole yeah. thing that you knew and were from, but there was also something around there to getting away from Yeah, there's two something. things going on there. Yeah. One is it's really brave, right? So he was like about a little bit younger than I am now with okay. um, two kids, my mum who was six and my uncle who was four at the time, which is a yeah. pretty big deal. I mean, yeah. but also I think it speaks to how bad things were. Yeah. I mean, Britain was still rationing, right? Mm. Like England got just ruined by World War Two, And so the further down the pecking order you are, the worse the deprivation is. And mm. so being in the north and being working class, mm-hmm. you're like at the end of a very long queue. And, and what's funny is, I, I, not funny at all, but what's aligned to that is I was born in a place called Aberdeen, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is 20 miles north of Cardiff on the map, if you can go, okay, that's I know Cardiff. Cardiff because of Torchwood. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonderful uh, spin-off Doctor Who series, Uh right? Yeah, which they used to film. And I used to live next to the castle they filmed at, Castelhoch, which uh, means just red castle in Welsh. But anyway, I was born in Aberdeen, and I come from uh, a bit of mining stock uh, myself. My great uncle Isloin, William Isloin Jones, great name, name, right? Uh, Cracking name. Um, Was down a pit when he was uh, 14, right? And the stories he used to tell, he broke his back down in the mine and he had to be pulled out and then was put in traction in the 1930s odd, uh, late 30s. And then he got kicked out of the hotel, hotel, kicked out of the hospital uh, in the early, uh, like 1940, because the the war injured were coming back home. Um, So they kicked him out and he could walk and fine, but it was like so lucky. But he, growing up, he would tell stories about being down in the pit, uh, being on his back and hacking away at the seams, uh, like water running down his back because they were in kind of waterways and stuff. And the worst one was when he was describing during the winter months, they would only see light um, kind of one day a week for a few months because they'd be down at the pit six days a week. On a Sunday, they wouldn't. So that'd be the only time they saw natural light. I'm like, I can't fathom that. And that's, that's like that deep history that you just never could situate yourself with. But again, it was an extraction model. Get the coal out of the pits, yeah? yeah. ship it to the world. We're an engine um, uh, as a, a British colonial empire. And Wales were just feeding the fire. That's totally. all Wales was good right. for mm. at that I point. I mean, if you weren't in London, everything else was just a resource to be exploited. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Including New Zealand. There's an interesting yeah, tie-in. But can I come mm. back to your good self, in where does Scotland lay in your brain mm. and your Aberdeenshire yeah. experience? I think the, uh, the thing for me about New Zealand is it's pretty much is just a mini Scotland on the other side of the world in terms of the culture, the, um, the landscape, the kind of the people very obviously similar. And, and so it was kind of quite an easy shift me to come here yeah and also when I, I came here for skiing originally in Monica and bumped into friends that I yeah, kind of knew from Scotland well new seeming new um and um and it kind of, so it was kind of like this natural fit really so I think the weirdest part for me is that it's it's like you know I call it home New Zealand but it's like the total opposite side of the world from where my family are mm. which is the weirdest part that it's kind of like you're living your normal life because I've been here almost 20 years um, so Scotland is you know my original home 
yeah. but it's just that weird thing of this total opposite side of the planet that you just can't bump into your old school friends, your your mm. family. You can't just go and hang out with your brother. Um, whereas Kiwis, I, I always find it funny when people are kind of like hanging out with their cousins or they're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go and catch up with my brother or whatever. And it's like, wow, that's such a strange thing for me. Because, mm, you know, of course. same for you, that it's just like it's mm. not possible. Mm. Um, so I think that's the interesting thing. Like I don't really miss it in terms of wanting to go back. Okay, Phil. Um, but I miss the whole the whole family and friend side of things. But New Zealand kind of has got such similarities to Scotland yeah. and just kind of ticks all those boxes. I like when you said it, it describes you, or it's so similar to Scotland, because I think it's similar to Wales yeah. as well. All the Celtic nations, it's very green, and it's full of people with funny accents, doing uh, wonderful, cute things, and just getting on with their lives, trying to be good to each other. Yeah, you know, it. And having deep stories about lots of other things going on. Yeah. Um, but it is, and yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot smaller. So you know, as we always talk about, the kind of two mm -hmm. degrees of separation here. It is just the whole village of if you want something done, there's generally yeah. a pretty easy way you can kind of make contact with someone. Yeah. Or um, which I I think in Scotland would be a lot harder. Um, I kind of left when I was twenty, so I didn't really mm. kind of have a career where I needed to kind of make things happen or create a project happen. But from kind of you know what I know and kind of. I guess uh, the industry over there that I might have got into, it's kind of like, actually, things are quite easy to make happen here just because of that <laughs> small size. So when you came here, you were a photographer for a huge amount of time uh, with this music scene. Yeah, I, ca I came here for skiing and then, um, well, I went to Australia for a year backpacking because we pretty much never see the sun in Scotland. So when you, <laughs> when you hit that age that you're allowed to, well, that you want to travel, you kind of, most of us go to Australia. We see the beaches, we hang out there, um, and then I came to Wanaka for skiing. And, um, and with that, I'd studied photography in Scotland, so it was kind of how can I use photography, which I was barely using. Like I remember the first, I think it was a snowboard image I sold to a magazine that went, and you know, I was so stoked when I got, I think $250 for this image in the magazine. I was published, I was finally a published God, photographer, you know. Um, but then it was music that took over from yeah. there. It was essentially when all the, when the bands were coming through Wanaka, when like your Salmon L Dub, your Trinity Roots, your Black Seeds, when they were coming to Wanaka, every chance I could, I would just be going in for, you know, not getting paid just for the fun of it, just because mm. it was that beautiful moment that I'd kind of experienced when I was studying of being in a club in Aberdeen as like an 18 year old in the front row of a hip hop um, gig with my camera bouncing up and down, <laughs> getting totally out of focus shots because I didn't understand enough for music photography that shutter speed and slide photography, mm. you know, photographing on slides and slow film speeds isn't really the way to do it. So, but it was more just that feeling of actually bouncing up and down in the front row of a mm. gig um, that got that excitement going. It was like, okay, I want to continue this somehow. I love those first career moves. And discovering through mistakes. That's it. Yeah. Why were you yeah. shooting on slides? Good question. <laughs> I mean, we've all had a go with it, right? It's exciting, but mm. it's yeah. And I think it was because we had um, we'd started, and this was essentially before digital was around. Yeah, so, sure, sure. So it was, it was, yeah, it was either slides, slides or negatives, yeah, yeah. and we we were kind of taught by our tutors, ah, oh, you know, you know, use this um, Velvia. It gets beautiful, beautiful light in this way. Right, right. But none of your tutors teach you how to shoot 
gig photography. Right, sure, sure, sure. So you so kind of just go right. there. Was your snowboard image on slide? It was on slide right, as well. Right, okay, cool. Yeah. And so yeah. did they, was there an idea that the colours were particularly beautiful? Pretty much, The yeah. grain was really fine. That's uh, like the colours had a certain oh, kind interesting. of beauty. And, um, and it, it was pretty exciting. Like oh. I remember even in Wanaka like, doing some um, night photography of the stars mm. and just um, setting the camera up on the tripod for half an hour, sitting in the car reading my book, going back, turning off the shutter. Right. But of course, you don't know what you've got right, right, right. for like a week later. Did, mm. did you have a um, thing tracking or did you just get the streaks? Just the streaks, yeah. Nice, yeah. And nice. there was a burn-off happening. So right. there's these big flames in the background. Oh. Um, and so, you know, it's it's still oh, a like shot. Literally, like people had caught something on fire. Um, yeah, it was they were burning off some farmland to right. kind of clear wow. or something. And so, mm, that so I went, wholesome. oh, this looks great. I'll photograph <laughs> this. I know. It was, it, it was crazy. Just all these kind of stars moving, the fire, right, right. the stars moving in the in the lake. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but just that moment when you go to the camera store and you pick up your slides yeah. and the colours are just the purple mm. of the sky which is popping. Um, did, did you have a projector? No. Oh. So like this, you know, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking through, kind of going, now what do I do and with So it? your friends went like, oh, we've been invited to one of the slide parties. Classic. <laughs> and even the sound of that, like, right? Oh. The only kind of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, took a do we have to explain, oh, hi camera, do we have to explain to young people what slides are? Nah. <laughs> we could if you want to. There's this whole, I've got, a, I've got a niece, I've got a niece, wonderful niece, Ella. Hi, Ella. Uncle Connie says hi. Auntie Connie, Uncle Auntie Connie. Um, and so I've introduced her to Sophie's World, which is a book about philosophy, mm. kind of for young people. And there's a bit in it, which is a bit of a spoiler for Ella, but I've read the book, where the philosopher sends her a videotape to watch. And I'm like... Damn, this is dated. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if if a young person was to read that now, it'd be like, what? No, that's just a video. But they like he messaged like, me a link to YouTube on yeah Instagram. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love that uh, mention about slides and the delay that you would get, the delayed mm. gratification almost as well sometimes, but also the delayed disappointment. Yeah. Can't be the other time when you yeah. get about, yeah. oh, yeah, oh yeah. I forgot, I forgot to take the cover off. And it cost real cash money back in the day, right? You couldn't yeah. just yeah. like blast 100 frames no. and then go home and look at it. It was right. like, yeah. how much? I mean, how, yeah. and slides were exp- uh, yeah. probably more for expensive. Like, probably be like $2 a shot if, or more. Right. Damn. Like, $2. <laughs> $2. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, uh, and we were always told that out of a 36M exposure film that mm. you get one good shot. That sounds about right. You know, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is kind of... Um, the, you know, even with digital, it's kind of the ratio that I kind of go by pretty much. That you're like, yep, there's yeah, one. Yeah. That's the that's the top shot. Did you um, do any uh, darkroom work? Yeah, that was I missed that because um, when I was 16, we asked um, the art teacher at my school mm-hmm. if he would um, take photography right. classes for us, if he would specially do it. And they said, right, if you can get three, you and two other people to say they want to do it, we'll do it. So I managed to get two of my friends cool. and said, hey, do you want to do this? We'll do photography once yeah, a week. Yeah. And they agreed to it. He, of course, we'd turn up to do it. And he had another class at the same time. And we were just the tag-on students. <laughs> and so he essentially went, can I just give you a green slip and you go home? And so, oh. that, was, so that was it. So we just kind of got to go home, which didn't really help my photography. So I um, signed up for a night class. Oh, and, okay, cool. Because I'm like, so you didn't really learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I didn't learn anything. Got you nearly there. We, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we learned how skinny it is at 3 p.m. Right. Um, but yeah, did a night class, right, right, and that right. was where essentially the main part of that was darkroom skills. Right, right. And then when mm. I studied photography for two years, it was mm. darkrooms. And was it black and white or colour? Both. Both. Yeah. Wow, both. Okay, it's, I've... 
Colour's complicated. Oh, yeah. Well, the, it was all the whole chemistry stuff, wasn't it? It was yeah, like yeah, the yeah. mix of stuff, the timing yeah. as well. There were so many variables to produce a pen from red yeah. We Colour, they had like a machine that you kind of fed like it in the end. You'd okay. go through like a double door so as not to let light right, in. Right, and then you right. got it the other side. Luckily, you didn't have to do any tray stuff with oh, okay. colour. Right, right, right. But the hardest thing about colour is that the dark room, there wasn't allowed to be any lights. Oh, wow. And no, you've not got even, yeah, right. nothing. So, and you've got like 10 of you in there doing <laughs> this. Wow. And they have those little stars you know, that kind of gain, gain uh, light and then they hold a little bit of light so that you can just see corners. Right. But the amount of times you'd walk into your classmate or you'd, you'd always go to the machine, you'd be like, anyone at the machine? And we'd, the funniest thing was one of the girls um, who, from the home of where the Deep Fry Mars bar was, Stonehaven, she'd always be in the corner <laughs> hung over and she'd be like, I am just having a sleep here in the corner. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one, obviously no one knew. She'd, just hide in the corner and sleep. So that yeah, wouldn't happen today, really. Yeah, you know? yeah, doesn't happen. Yeah. The digital darkroom nowadays. That's mad. Yeah. So I want to get on to uh, the reason I asked you about your photography career because where it led on to, which is uh, peculiar to me. I'm always fascinated when I go onto LinkedIn on people mm-hmm. and I reveal all stuff and I see if I can navigate their life through the, a little bit yeah. of their career and see a if there's a, a commonality, a purpose, a link through everything. Uh, and then B is like, I love deviations. I love, how did you start doing that? And then you went over mm. there. And how did you start doing photography, but then launched a charity, mm. yeah, like 1% yeah. Collective, which doesn't feel aligned, but then the content, but I'll yeah. allow you, to, how did you get from one point? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much, um, I've kind of done about eight years of music photography and creative photography in Wellington, as well as graphic design, freelance. Mm. And it kind of came to this point where just I'd come out of a, five-year long-term relationship and um, got an email from um, saw an email from a friend who was on the Thai Burma border working on a rubbish dump um, for this charity and um, for kids who were migrants and refugees from Burma and it was like oh I've been to Burma when I was 18 my kind of dad lived there for a year um, I was like I want to learn learn more and I looked at this charity and it had come through the body shop in UK and Erotic had set it up and then the Body Shop New Zealand set up their chapter. And so I kind of just said, hey, I've got this idea. I also have graphic design skills, but I've got this idea of using photography and art mm. and going out and working with the kids and then bringing a project back and sharing those stories and that art with New Zealand, but raising money to help them. So it was kind of, it was using photography. So it was kind mm. of like a selfish thing in that I wanted to somehow get over a long-term relationship and have a different experience, but then also it had a positive result because it was actually exposing kids to creativity and raising money for food and education. So it was, it was a bit of a blend um, in that way. And then, um, you know, as, as the world of kind of small charities in New Zealand have it, has it, the, um, the lady who was running it and just after we got back and had her first child and went on maternity leave and said, Hey, do you want to co-manage this with me? You do half the week, I'll do the other half. And, Suddenly, I was co-managing a kids' charity that does work in Thailand and Burma, and doing spreadsheets in the jungle of how to, you know, <laughs> how these projects would work. So yeah, it was it was kind of photography that yeah. led to just how to use that, I guess. But this was back in what two thousand and that was probably around six or eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always get confused. Sometime around then. And probably when did One Percent Collective then come out uh, of that? It that kind was, of piggybacked that. Yeah, bit. pretty much. It was really how to take like a mix of the creatives that I've met through 
photography, through music, through art, through publications I'd ran, and how to kind of bring that into a group of people who, a collective of people who give 1% of their time, money, um, creativity to help raise money for small to medium Kiwi-based charities. Mm. And, and that was really just seeing the work in Thailand and how far $5 can go and going, yeah. hey, if we could get my mates giving 10 bucks a week. Um, but bringing in those creatives, because that obviously is the part that really excites me as well, mm. is that mm. creativity that you can mix with charity there. And what's the threshold, not threshold, what's the, the, the metrics of success that you share now in terms of 1% collective, how long has it been going, mm. how much money, yeah, all so that it's, charity so it's stuff? it's pretty much eight years now, um, well, just over eight years, mm. and $2 million the other week, that's kind of where, where we've hit, um, and about 700 regular givers. Great. So um, so yeah, it's really nice. Just kind of thinking that even if you know, even if we're struggling trying to come up with new ideas or tell some new stories, that every week there's just money coming in to help mm. the collective of small charities that we work with. So I think that's you know the awesome thing is that regular definitely is so important. Yeah, and the compound interest that you're gonna have because of the impact that's gonna happen. Yeah, those small things that, it doesn't that, have to be massive grand. Those little things really help, That's right? It just keeps keeps the sustainability of those charities and forecasting and kind of budgeting and knowing what they can actually achieve a lot smoother. Fascinating. Yeah. Again, love our way leads on the way, mm. way and stuff. So I'm going to ask you a way question, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Feel free to jump in as yeah. well. I'm not the interviewer, but you know, I'm here. So how did you get to here? Because you started in that little Caught small place. Uber. Yeah. Caught an <laughs> from mm. Cuba Strait. Don't give me literal. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're I couldn't keep out of my mother's makeup when I was seven years old. For sure. Yeah. There we go. I don't know why. I'm like, oh, blue eyeliner. It was the 80s. It but I knew sad. that it was like a problem. I'd be like, oh, at the home, I can hear tyres on the driveway. <laughs> Throw it in the bun. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm fascinated because when I was describing, oh, who am I interviewing to a couple of people today, even my mum last night, because I always chat to my parents every Sunday night, because I'm a good boy, right? Uh, on Skype, and I update them with the wonderful world that is Kiwiland. Uh-huh. And they were like, what are you doing? And I said, gosh, recording. Who are you, who are you interviewing this week? I'm not interviewing, it was just chat. Uh, and we got, and I went through, and I got Pat, and then I've got Conrad, Connie, Queen, Olivia. I, I got someone else coming in, and I love that idea that I don't know how to introduce you in Neither that regard. Do I. Neither do I. No, no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> and I don't think it's a, you know, I'm not saying it's, a, it's, it's just wonderfully peculiar in, in all the right ways. It's like, how would you go, hey, my name is? Um, Queen Olivia, Lucretia Bourgeois, Connie St. Redfin III. How did you get there? I think that's my question. Well, I picked up the saint in Los Angeles. It didn't respond to the cream at all, so I guess we're stuck with it. <laughs> but it is a mouthful it is great I just think that like really it's kind of I'm like I'm a rebel without a cause and I will react Mm. to anything like if there's a stick in the ground I want to rebel against it I'm like we're sticking in the ground I'm going to lie down (laughs) fuck you and so in the world of um, be better best Mm. like little short pithy and everyone's on a brand and it has to be search engine optimised. Yes. Like the polar opposite is something ridiculous. It's ridiculous, it's unmemorable, it's too long to put in an Instagram mm-hmm. username. It's not a legal name, which is a problem for Facebook. I'm like, True. two fingers up to the world. Yeah. True. So do they let you use that name? 
Facebook? No, I don't even. I don't even you don't bother. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're allowed. Um, they had a. They. I did fall afoul from them. So my original drag name was Laquisha Redfern, and Laquisha is a hundred percent stereotypically African American black woman's name, which. I maybe wasn't so aware of 15 years ago when I chose it because it right. was a yeah. different world. I had a friend come back from the States um, and rattle off a bunch of names that he'd heard over there. And I heard the name Laquisha and I was like, oh my God, that is like the best name ever. Um, and so that was my drag name for a really long time until I started going to America and meeting black mm. people. And I'd be, they'd be like, what's your drag name? I'd be like, Laquisha. And they'd be like... Right. And so... Uh, yeah, so that was, um, I could see that I'd kind of set up a problem for myself by accident. Um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, someone on Twitter was like, cut that racist shit out. And I was like, you know what, I'm out. Just whatever. I'm, th- yeah. This is a problem. I'm super sorry. You know what? I'm just going to be Queen Olivia now. Mm. And then <laughs> and then I'm like, and this is my chance to make, make the like super fucking yeah. like deluxe name. And you did. So I did. Yeah. So tell us about like the whole journey, because I've listened to a recent interview of yours. Oh, really? Um, was I it was the podcast uh, that you oh talked God. about, and I'd love you to talk about here, yeah, if, yeah. if you're happy to. That sure. Is, um, I'm an open book. In terms of that, dra- the drag career, inverted commas, you know, because yeah. it's hard to say it's a... It, like, I don't even know anymore. So yeah. like, the, what I'm doing in 2021 is like, I'm a meta drag queen. Right. So, exactly. Like. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's like it's drag about drag. It's yeah. like, um, and I think this has always been my thing. And again, it's that thing about rebellion. So yeah. like, RuPaul's got this whole thing going, yeah. and I'm like, whatever, they, whatever they're doing, I want to be doing something else. Gotcha. Yeah, which means that a lot of the time, I'm not doing any drag at all. The ultimate rebellion. Well, I remember when I first saw you, <laughs> which was with the greatest respect on the side of a bus. Oh, back yeah, of the bus, hot bus, soda. Bus, back, yeah, 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 yeah. Which in, I don't know, in, in the UK, if you say back of the bus to someone, that means you haven't got a nice face. Mm. I don't know about in, you know, you've got a face like a back of the bus, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I say it out loud, it sounds awful, but no. I mean, it does. It's you, because you've been involved I'm in leaving. some. <laughs> <laughs> it's and I can't oh, believe this. I'm so angry my scarf fell But also, I came across your work because I've done some work with Leanza and, and some librarians in that oh, space. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, I've spoken to a couple of their conferences and got, I mm. really believe libraries are, you know, beautiful things mm. in the world. And I know you've done some wonderful reasons at, at yeah, libraries, which, again, when I describe to some other people, it's like, a drag queen doing readings to kids, and I'm like, yeah, that's It's more cool. wholesome than it sounds. Yes, that's mm. my point. And, and it's better for children to meet drag queens in a controlled environment, because they otherwise it'll be 3 a.m. in a club toilet. Yeah. It's up to parents. You want to meet them in a wholesome environment or mm. out of control? How did that happen? Mm. Well, where uh, did the invite come from? Um, so it happened because uh, in New Zealand we were seeing that uh, drag queen story hour was happening, I think, in New York. And so I, I was, I'm friends with a librarian here in Wellington. I was talking to him about, wouldn't it be cool if we did that? Unbeknownst to me, uh, Bella Simpson, who's a, a young trans woman, was also having a discussion with the library. And so okay. th- it all kind of culminated. And during Pride Week, maybe like four or five years ago, Central Library had a Drag Queen Story Hour, which we kind of pr- pretty quickly rebranded for New Zealand as Rainbow Story Time, because drag kings do this, these gigs as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
Yeah, and it's very wholesome. The first time I did it, I was very moved to be sitting up the front um, of these little children having read some stories about a gay penguin, a little boy in a tangerine dress, and uh, I think a tiger that wouldn't put any clothes on. Um, there's <laughs> <laughs> a tiger. <laughs> Come on. No, you said it out loud, of course. Yeah. Why you should? And um, they gave me a big bouquet of flowers because it's all about me, right? And uh, they played Rainbow Connection on the PA, and I was swaying, and Kermit was singing Rainbow Connection. And I was like, <laughs> and these little humans going, "You're brilliant." But only because when I was growing up, I kind of thought I was a monster because I didn't. Mm. Because that's how I saw people treat trans people in my community. Just to like take it really hip, just like bang, like a Tyler Perry film. Rainbow Connection, bang, serious. Mm. But in my community, there was a young trans woman. Um, New Zealand's too small for me to use names, because I don't know if she wants me to tell her story, but I grew up with a, a trans girl, and people were shitheads to her. And so I could see that happening, mm. and I'm like, mm, well, I quite enjoy wearing my mother's clothing and my auntie's shoes and such. Um, and for my own safety, I'm just going to keep this one under wraps because I could see what was happening yeah and it was the same uh, same about sexuality as well actually so this is small town New Zealand in the 90s Um, pre-internet the only source of information was two television channels a local newspaper which has recently apologised for being massively racist because yeah and that was that was that publisher Mm. I'm like I never thought I'd love to see the day because a local newspaper yeah and they were like I remember them being blisteringly racist as a kid I was a white kid and I could see that it was a problem I'm like Mm. what are you writing about like um two television channels newspaper library that was it all the Mm. access to information so like in 2021 a young person's got access to Tumblr, Twitter, Google, mm. social media, Facebook, connections all over the world, right? Yeah. It was a different, much kind of scarier time. Mm. But still, we managed to find each other out of the gay bars. So, so when I was 16, I discovered that there, was, um, there were gay homosexuals and drag queens in Hamilton. <laughs> Stop the press. Right. Yes. So was that... Was that um... That's much too young to be going to bars, by the way. Good point. I never picked yeah, up yeah. on that. <laughs> I was like, oh, the age thing. Yeah, yeah. Then again, I remember my first pint, and it was around that time. Yeah, but people should drink responsibly and follow the law for sure. <laughs> New Zealand kids. Um, the age. Back then, the age of drinking were... was twenty, so I was really oh, too young. Right. Yeah, so way. Didn't yeah, think about that. Yes. Yeah, but I could sprout some sideboards back then as well. I was a hairy yeah, little yeah, kid, yeah. so I think that helped. Yeah. Oh, plus sure. those old lectures, they're like, oh, this young kid wants to come in. Come on in, kid. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Exactly. When did you move to Wellington? Um, when I was 17. Okay. Yeah, so gay bar 16, Wellington 17. And it was a bit like my grandparents' story. Part of it was I wanted to move to Wellington, but part of it was I was getting harassed. So mm. my fear that I'd get harassed was actually true. So when I, started, when I came out and started being more who I really was, bringing my authentic self to the community, mm-hmm. the community, some members of the community felt it necessary to yell abuse at me out of moving cars. And I was like, yeah, this sucks. So I'm running away to the big city. Mm. And I've done what? Queers and freaks have done for time immemorial, ran away to a coastal city. <laughs> if it was America, it would have been San Francisco. Yep. If it was England, it would have been London. Yeah. You know, it's or like. Brighton. Right, yeah. right. Uh, New York, if I was on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ran away to, and the city seemed like fucking New York after Ngarawahia. I was like, oh yeah. my God, it's so crowded and busy. It's so crazy. <laughs> I'm lost. It's so noisy. And It's got more than two cabs. And now um, I just pretend that it's a neighborhood in a much bigger city. 
That's a good way of thinking. Yeah, it does feel yeah. like a... Seeing as how we can't travel. Yeah, yeah there is that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when did you st- first started being... Because being, I suppose, out and, and trans and whatever you want to call it in terms mm-hmm. of wearing different gender and yeah, normal yeah, yeah. clothes, because there's so much spectrum here. Mm-hmm. I'm finding my words hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose that that's different than then doing drag mm. on stage, right? Totally. It totally is. And so I think... When I was <clears throat> discovering my non-binary self, drag was the only option I could see. Right, okay. <clears throat> I mean, that was the only option I could see. I mean, if mm. we think about media representation, mm. it was um, Kenny Everett, um, yes. Dame Edna Everidge, yeah. um, uh, Julian Clary a little bit. Oh, I just waked the microphone. Sorry about it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, there's a bug on me. It's a bug. <laughs> I'm and bugged. Eddie Izzard? No, not back then. Oh, okay, we're Back going right, day. yes. Yeah, yeah, and so I was like, oh, well, I must be a drag queen then. That must be what I am. Yeah. It's fascinating because those but people also, that you listed were yeah, so yeah. outliers, right? Right, boy George. But they were also really celebrated within, like, mm. all the people you just listed also were British. Right. Yeah, America was, like, not so hot on this. Oh. And their popular mm. culture, that's a real thing. Is it because we had pan- pantomime? We didn't mind seeing things inverted? I mean, there was, unfortunately, there's an element of comedy, like, ha, yeah. ha, ha, that's so funny, which translators, some of my friends fucking hate. Yeah. They're like, could you, like, not make our lives a joke, super please? So yeah. I'm not, but yeah, they're definitely, in the British kind of um, entertainment tradition, there's definitely more, you know, cross-dressing. Mm. And that camp thing is kind of accepted as part of life, even though mm. um, you probably wouldn't want your son to turn out that way. Back mm. in 1990. Mm. Back Indeed. in 1990. Um, and it's, yeah, I've, I've really, because, you know, I love America. I'm having a love affair with the West Coast a lot at the moment. I'm super glad that I'm not there and maybe I, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Previously, <laughs> on the history of the planet Earth. In another life. Yeah. Um, and I've, like, really, like, thought about their pop culture. I'm like, yeah, they just don't have those... Not in mainstream stuff, anyway. No. You know, like, occasionally it'll be, like, two, two one for thanks for everything. Julie Newmark. And definitely there's a huge drag culture in America, but somehow it never quite makes it to, like, CBC, NBC, primetime yeah. stuff. Whereas in the UK and New Zealand, I mean, OK, sure, Dame Edna wasn't primetime, mm. but you could see her on the uh, mainstream TV channel, like on the Beebs or TVNZ. Yeah. Mm. When you were 17, did you have, like, anyone you kind of looked up to and, and uh, or, or even like a look and not mentor <laughs> but you know was there anyone yeah yeah sure sure um so uh i mean probably so damien everidge has since said some like really mean things so i'm kind of embarrassed to admit mm. but i mean she was what was on offer right mm, and yeah. i didn't really when i was a little kid like eight years old i, was, I didn't understand what was going on i'm just yeah. like that individual's fabulous and i want to be that when I grow <laughs> up. um and then kind of later like just local queens actually so like um buckwheat and bertha up in auckland um neil holt who did disaster down in wellington in the 90s so this is all kind of like club culture that mm. oh my god that camera's irresistible <laughs> it's not really well documented right it's like club culture which is like a subculture in a small island, mm, yeah. which is at the bottom of the planet. And so in my memory, these people like mm. are huge, but no one's heard of them. Yeah. You know, it's just ephemera, yeah. blown away, dust to dust. Yeah. Although, um, although that's not quite fair, because um, I think uh, Buckwheat had some of her clothes, her costumes donated to Papa recently. Wow. 
yeah, there was an article about it. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, so there were some like local people who I was like, oh mm. my god, because when I was like 17 and moved to Wellington, I also was a messy bitch, taking way too many. Um, I was self-medicating with um, substances that were not prescribed by a physician. Such a polite way of putting yes. it. <laughs> so I was too much of like, as we say, a hot mess to get my shit yeah. together to actually do any kind of performance. So all of this has only happened because um, I had spent some quality time in Hamner, which is a rehab clinic, mm-hmm. and got my kind of got got my shit together. So like back then, I could just kind of watch and like a altered state and marvel at what people mm. were doing but I wasn't doing anything I was just this, like mm. wasted mm. lost teenager in the corner of the club what well, what would you say is the state of like the the drag scene now like is there such a thing oh still, yeah totally it? it's thriving in Wellington yeah. like like never before mm. yeah seriously so um Hugo Girl Productions pretty much runs the town I mean if you want to get booked <laughs> make friends with George Fowler um, yeah, totally. Tips, yeah. So, uh, so you can go to you can see a drag show any night of the week mm. um, at Ivy, Eva Beavers, um, sometimes a fringe bar. Yeah, mm. but of course, because I'm rebellious, I don't do any of that. Of course, I just lie <laughs> on my couch and stroke my cat. Cuddle unit five. <laughs> totally. Five. Yeah. Another of <laughs> I can hear the young people partying outside, and I'm just like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> Indeed. I, I, I saw stand up comedy. Yeah. Uh, mentioned on uh, maybe your Twitter or uh-huh, uh-huh. somewhere is that is that something it's not something I'm currently doing hi camera yeah. I just can't stop it um, it's not something I'm currently doing but it's a thing that I have done yeah so that's I, a different discipline though right oh my god it's so yeah. different it is like it's, it's like it's yes and was that in like in like drag sometimes clubs, but like... often it was just a little bit of lipstick because if you think about what stand-ups wear it's like a t-shirt mm. and a bomber jacket yeah, right yeah. it's really like they, they 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 play down their appearance yeah you don't think about what they look like i mean you think about what their mm. face is but it's not like um and so because i've got i work with a um stand-up um uh gerard hi gerard she goes so just go see gerard's shows gerard is hilarious um and we were talking about this the other day, and he's like, yeah, if, when you go on in like, as much costume as I'm wearing, it's almost like you have to spend the first kind of five minutes acknowledging how you look to the audience mm, before right. you can kind of get onto your material. Because it's yeah. such a, you know, especially if you're following someone who's been wearing like a grey T-shirt and a denim jacket, right? You come on like, ba And the audience is like, what is happening to my <laughs> suppose, Although the rebellious thing is to do, get yeah. up and not mention it. Totally. At totally. all. Mm. You know? Um, there's a really funny uh, stand-up in town called uh, Pam Hancock. She does this character that's like this old nana from um, Foxton or Bulls or somewhere. And it's <laughs> hilarious. And it's 100% character-driven. Wow. It's really funny. So, um, yeah, I did some stand-up. I've done some singing. So my kind of thing is that if I want to be a performer, I should perform. And there are mm. a range of things that I can do. It's just like anything, right? We, we've all got these little tranches of our lives, you know, like the day job versus the home life or the passion things and what what I'm hearing is within your life there's lots of verticals that you could fall into but I would probably describe myself as a polymath yeah and a philosopher that's got F-A-U-X philosopher (laughs) philosopher okay I like to think about things but I don't necessarily write books so philosopher I love that (laughs) 
That's such a good thing. I've always, uh, I've only ever worn, and this is fun to think about, I was thinking about, like, have I ever, like, worn anything, you know, draggy? And I'm like, no, I've worn a dress once in my life. I remember why I did it, and I felt half ashamed then. I was like, oh, it was in university, and it was like a boy's night out. And it was the classic case, let's do something silly, let's buy some dresses. And that was up in Ormskirk, in, uh, basically in the north of England. Right. Do you, you, know, do you know where this is? Oh, okay. Basically, uh, between <laughs> Preston and Liverpool. Look at you. Yeah, well, you might have known. Yeah. Uh, between Pres- Preston and Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Up in the north uh, right. west. You know, so it's not the most uh, liberal of places. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's mm-hmm. not Liverpool, it's not Manchester, right. it's like in the sticks. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the kind of stick that we had, and it was just us taking, you know, having a laugh with ourselves in a sense. But it was like, shit, yeah, I suddenly had a kind of an inkling of, well, what if I was serious? What if this was me? It was like challenging to me to think about those types of things, you know, in it's, a good way. I yeah, think yeah, yeah, feeling yeah. uncomfortable but, in that. That's the kind of philosophy, right? Like, because yeah. I've experienced um, the world, because people say, you know, you, you get into drag and you're like a different personality and sure, like I'm, there's a different personality. But the other thing that happens that is kind of maybe not so obvious is you get into drag and the whole world treats you differently, really differently. <laughs> Um, all of a sudden, is I'm, that intended though? Um, I mean, half the time, you know. I mean, what I mean if you're persona, if you like put on, if you spend like an hour putting on makeup, like clearly you want people to notice it. Yeah, right. Sequence sure. are very eye-catching. <laughs> it is smashing. And me and my friend um, Marcella used to have this thing called drag discontinuation syndrome, which is like the day after you've done a gig and you've been out, and then you're just like walking around in your civvies, and you're like, oh, girl. No one's paying any attention to us. <laughs> <laughs> and my yeah. feet hurt. This sucks. I'm like, yeah, it's drag discontinuation syndrome. That's fascinating. Can I have some more aspirins, please? <laughs> I've got a pounding headache. Yeah. And I don't seem to be at the front of the club queue because that's the other thing, right? You're in drag mm. and into the club you go. Oh, right, okay. None of this yeah. nonsense with waiting in line. The rope comes out. Oh, yes, God, the rope does. After you and you're like, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Like the day after. Yeah, oh my god, the day after. Yeah. Oh, well, this one time, I oh, know you're here for this. So I did this pride parade and I wore stockings and um, they like chafed and it was like cheese graters. And the Ooh. next day it was all like, it was messed up. <laughs> and I was hobbling around like, oh god. Oh. Was it worth it? Hell yes, it was. <laughs> oh, Talk is your friend. Right. <laughs> Aspirin. Oh. So now I always wear like boy shorts if I'm going to. Right. Do that game. There's some practicalities you've got to consider, I suppose. Even yeah. looking great, right? Even as a Scotsman, I've been abused walking down Courtney Place multiple times in the kilt. Have you got a kilt? Yeah. It cost a fortune. Yeah. yeah, well, like I stole it from my dad. <laughs> oh, nice work. Well, my brother stole it from my dad. I stole it from my yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. And okay. moved to the other side of the world. So I he, love that. You can't I, get it back. I'd love a kilt, um, but I've like investigated. They're, they're like real yeah. garments. There's a lot of material there. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you've and got the big proper yeah, one yeah, rather the, than just the a... proper, yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. You know, I was in... I can't even remember when I took it out here, but one time I was kind of trying to like downsize, I was moving flats and I was like, my mum was out visiting and I was like, yeah, yeah I, should, I should give it back to her to take back to my brother. And at the airport I went, nah, yeah. I've got to keep this actually. And um, it's beautiful. But um, but yeah, I've had some, you know, when I lived at the end of Courtney right, Place, right. some abuse just, you know. Did you have the spot on as well? Yeah, yeah whole, had it all. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, but it was actually quite often it was, you know, it was middle-aged uh, ladies that were the most abusive because they oh. just come up and, 
Whip right. it up. Okay. Yeah. Well, just a little bit of sexual harassment. Yeah. A little bit of like, yeah. A little yeah. bit of sexual harassment. Sorry, right, uh, dog. They're girls. Sorry, right, women. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, there you go. And it was, yeah. <laughs> so it was quite a mix. You'd either get the very respectful kind of, oh, what tartan is that? You know, tell me well, the history. Yeah, and stuff. Or you just get there. So my dad's family are Scots. So we related. We're Johnstons. Oh, well, I'm the Anderson clan. Oh. Yeah. Who knows oh. the history there, eh? Was it, uh, so the Johnstons were definitely... So what I discovered was Johnston, Johnstone and Johnson are all the same clan. And the presence or absence of T's and E's only tells you when the spelling was standardised. Because Shakespeare spelled his name all kinds of ways. Yeah, it makes sense. Da-da-da-da-da. Industrial yeah. spellings yeah. recent. Anyway, I, they're like a lowland clan who were like near the northern border of England. I think the Andersons are from there as well. This is my useless Scottishness, not knowing the answer. <laughs> We yeah. can Google it later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a, it's one thing I remember. I bought a book once, you know, when mm. I was I was like Anderson Clan. Got to read this. It's still on the bookshelf. <laughs> I mean, you know. it, it's kind of vanity, really, because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't change anything, right? It's there, like yeah. I'm a wage slave. It's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> Still get up and punch the keys. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Like, even if my ancestors I'm, were archery I'm, people, yeah, right. it's not going to I'm professional cattle. I have a number that I wear on my neck. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I want to discuss with both of you, like your now day jobs. Yes. Your now proper grown-up, proper pants-on day jobs. And start with you, if that's all right, Pat, because I know you've recently got a new job in the last year or so which is totally different to what I've known you to be doing for all the mm. time I've known you. I oh, know. Which right. is fascinating. Yeah. So Suddenly tell me about... you're not yeah. the 1% guy. Just. Yeah, that's what you've always <laughs> been known as. Yeah, it's just a, yeah well, it's yeah. an interesting Pat, one. I, um, what was that? I'm trying... There was someone who, um, who was known for doing, you know, the one particular thing. And um, I remember reading something when they were, like, kind of stepping down from doing it. And they made a really valid point of, like... I actually do all this other stuff, but everyone knows me as the something right. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and, um, and it's interesting because, you know, one sense played such a huge part of my life for almost 10 yeah. years. And, but, um, you know, there, come, there comes a point where you kind of need to bring other people in to obviously help, help run it. And, and you might want some other challenges as well. So, yeah, it was kind of a few years ago. I kind of just decided to kind of split my week and mm. kind of go part time and, and bring in some other crew. Um, to help manage one percent with me, and then kind of just throw the throw the kind of feelers out there for any creative projects anyone need anything, um, which obviously was kind of just a email a whole bunch of people you've worked with and hope mm-hmm. that something comes back and mm-hmm. a variety of things did, and then um, and then yeah, I kind of um, friends um, had been running and not not long, it only been launched for oh, maybe like six months or so when I got involved. Um, a, a project called Hatch, which is part of Kiwi Wealth, uh, which is an investing um, platform where you can currently invest in the US share markets. And um, I did some photography of the team, and that right. was it. You cool, know, cool. It was, oh, cool. There's the team. You know, <laughs> as, we were, as we were saying earlier, you know, yeah. you get called in to do the kind of face mug shots of people for the website, and um, and that led to, hey, actually, um, you know, do you want to do you want to come and talk about some video ideas and marketing ideas on a whiteboard, which led to another day and another day, and mm. and yeah, luckily just kind of the team was growing, and I kind of jumped jumped on board, um, kind of splitting it, um, and you know now that's been oh, be getting close to two years, kind of probably in May that I'm wow. part of Hatch, so I still split my time with Hatch and One Percent Collective, and kind of juggle juggle my week, um, but it's been really interesting just seeing. Um, I guess what you what you can take from a, a, a charitable collective um, and what we've learnt through generosity and a giving a, a plat you know setting up the platform and then how 
um, an investment platform and a community and, and things work and just what, what I can kind of learn and bring to the table for each one. Especially in today's, I suppose, climb regarding wealth and investment mm-hmm. and the meme stocks and all the things online as well. Um, fascinating to you, your thoughts about you know, what's happening with the investment space. Because yeah. I don't know anything about it until these meme yeah. stocks. Pops, oh, uh, stocks yeah. start to come up on Reddit because I'm a Reddit man. I'm yeah, terrible. it's interesting. And, like I, you know, I, I definitely admit I don't get so I'm not as knowledgeable in the kind of exact. Yeah. Thing. I'm more around the visuals and the branding and kind of marketing side of things. But um, even when I got into um, to working um, with Hatch, you know, investment was just didn't really mean anything to me. I was, mm. and, and now it's kind of like, oh yeah. Like, I get it. <laughs> you have savings, you put it in the bank, it does nothing. <laughs> you have savings, you put it here, it, you know, in history will show it goes up. Like, <laughs> this. so um, it's like, oh, just that makes sense. Um, and then, of course, there is all the, the little things that happen mm. in, in between that, you know, the world, the world throws COVID your way and things change with industries and what's going to go up and what's going to go down and what's future is impacted and Reddit. Things happen on Reddit and Fascinating, a whole right? bunch of kind of um, systems kind of change there. Mm-hmm. And, and that obviously has, has, a, has a big impact just on, um, I guess, showing how small, smaller kind of a, a lot of people kind of doing something can really um, have an impact on a whole market. Um, mm. So, yes, yeah, so it's been really interesting just kind of um, seeing, you know, seeing obviously the growth, the growth of Hatch and um, but then also just it makes you know me think a lot about just technology and branding and and future and you know what companies are going to be there in 50 years you know what's um, what's going to be around like what is actually how is it all valued you, yeah you learn quite a bit as you as you kind of just dive in there something i've never played with have you ever invested in just, money in something? <clears throat> I've never really had enough money to invest, but I did used to work for a bank for a long time, so. Oh yes, that's really on LinkedIn. Yeah, 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 so I'm kind of, uh, and, and because I'm a philosopher, of course, um, we can trace the, um, the existence of stock markets and central banks back about four or 500 years to um, the Dutch who invented them mm. with the um, beginning of multinationalism and colonialism. And there's like nothing really new about any of the things that are going on, except that it just happens a lot faster because of yeah. computing. But the basic kind of like, um, you know, rules of banking and investment haven't really changed since it's Europe started eating the planet. Mm-hmm. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, 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 We did do that. Yeah. Your day job. I shouldn't even grin about it. You just have to make bad jokes. Okay, so I'm a software engineer at Zero mm. now, which is also a money company. Um, so Zero is mm-hmm. a small yeah. business um, uh, bookkeeping tool. It does more than that. Um, interestingly, I've run businesses as well. So for like the first ten, well, because I got a job out of university, like back in the day, and as a Java application developer, and that was kind of when my like drag persona really erupted um, like a squeezed lymphoma in a Dr. <laughs> popper. You went there. Video. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I can't get enough of those fucking videos. What's wrong oh, with no. I like, no. The toe, I like the toe bro as well. Um, so I'm in, this soft, I'm in this company. I hate it. I'm like, oh, my God, I've just like spent all of this money to train as a, as a com- computer science person because I've, like, I've been to rehab, I've cleaned up, I'm going to get a good job. 
and live my best life. I get this job, I hate it. I'm like, oh God, I don't care how many milliseconds the database transaction takes. It's so dreary. <laughs> um, you know, human cattle, wearing. And it was probably when my gender dysphoria peaked because I had to wear like, and this, it's different now, right? But like this is mm. maybe 2003, I had to wear pants and like business casual, pants and a iron shirt with a collar. And I was gotcha. just like, like I didn't know how much I'd hate it because I'd never really had to dress like that yeah, all the yeah. time before. I hated it, um, and uh, so and it was like right after the dot com collapse. So the company was circling right. like a turd in an American toilet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they kept laying laying people off, and it was just horrible. And I'm like, I'm going to invent this like drag alter ego, and that fantasy is going to get me through this like misery. Um, I'm experiencing working for this horrible, hateful company that I hated. Fascinating. And then I went, then I went and um, started contracting because I'm like, I can't work in corporate IT. I can't. That was a terrible mistake. Oh my god. But I love how you created a persona to get through something else, though. Oh yeah. Because you didn't take the persona to work, or did you? No, 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 no. It was so like, you... I, like I would like, <laughs> I would blog. <laughs> this is before blogging was like a yeah. commonly acceptable term. Being first of the party doesn't always mean anything though. No, um, doesn't but mean you're I'd, cool. I'd be like, <laughs> right, um, like as if I was like a drag queen, but I was like dressed as salary man, and I'm like day three. <laughs> like a superhero yeah, 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 yeah. planted in a system and you're kind of scoping right. it out as a spy in the wind this building sways like an old queen after two <laughs> bottles of Stolly I like the idea of being like a, a, a drag yeah. spy totally yeah. I was like any day now my inner drag queen's going to burst through my chest like an alien's that bloody beehive imp is going to run to the elevator and it's going to be at a stand-up meeting. Totally. And people are not going to know what to do. Yeah, totally. Did you ever bump into workmates in, in drag? Ah, uh, yeah, no, not so much. Yeah. I mean, never the twain shall meet. I mean, there are a bunch of, like, lovely people who had yeah. mortgages in Kelvin who generally weren't at the gay bars. Yeah. Generally. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, right, so self-employed for a long time, which meant that I used zero for real. Like, I used it right, as a small yeah. business owner. And so when I started at zero, which was, like, four months ago, we had to do this training so that we knew about the product. And I, like, people were like, you did that training so quickly. I'm like, I've, like, used this, like, <laughs> a, like more than a bit yeah. in my life. So, yeah, so I worked there um, on a modernization team, keeping, keeping their code fresh and sweet. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. How do you find, like, thinking about the kind of, like, doing the opposite of maybe, like, you know, looking and kind of rebelling? Yeah. Do you find, like, because I guess maybe your day job is kind of not rebelling, kind of user experience testing data, making sure, and then... There's definitely an element of balance here. So um, I've been uh, recently requested for my hours to be dropped to 32 hours, 740 hours at the moment. Um, So because too much of that makes me sad. Like, I can do it. Mm. And, you know, by and large, I enjoy software engineering. I mean, it's pretty interesting mm. um, pursuit. And, and it's also really super dry as well. Mm. Am I, I going to get fired for something? I don't think it's a surprise to anyone. Software engineering is not like an exciting, glamorous industry. People but it's for like, a specific brain, I always think. It's like yeah. everything out there, right? We're attracted to certain things because of our brain is wired a certain way. So... Um, when I was a kid, I begged my parents to buy an Atari computer, no like in like 1989. Yeah. And while I was having these like clearly illicit 
feelings and desires, I would sublimate it. I'm like, I've just programmed the computer. <laughs> I've programmed the computer. <laughs> when you had to write every line, like 10. Oh, copy it blah, off blah, the blah. fucking, like, here's your magazine with your listing, copy that out. Totally down. remember wow. that. Because <laughs> yeah. I was sped, said X Spectrum. Yeah, right. It was that era. It was about, yeah, yeah, totally. about the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my brother used to sit there with the computer mate and write out verbatim from what was in it. And you used to learn the first thing, like 10, go to 20, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever, totally. repeat and all that stuff. And wow. Send print yeah. and things. And it was just laborious. But some people... It's kind of weird. I mean, I think about this for myself and, and IT in general. So when you look, so particularly if we think about computer music, right? Well, like it's just taken for granted now that every musician is using computers to make the music, all the way down to auto-tune, actually. Mm. Like, it's, it's just in there. If you listen to early computer music stuff from, like, the 60s and 70s, God, it sounds shitty. It's like robots, like, Daisy, Daisy. Mm. Like, it was so horrible, <laughs> and they had to try so hard. And I'm like, but people were so motivated to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess it eventually got to a good place. And I think there's kind of an element yeah. of, I don't know what the, that kind of, like, drive and belief that things... Uh, you know, if we keep working at it, it'll get better. There's something about improvement, right? And order and, and achievement. And I was just thinking about mobile phones when it went from like 8 or 16-bit type sound right, right. to polyphonic. Do you remember they described uh, it that yeah. way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Polyphonic yeah. ringtones. You're like, oh there's like so much more sound yeah. in there now yeah, in terms yeah. of the range that it could pull from. And it's something to be said to be the first wave in and tidying things up so other people can come in and do amazing things with what you've help them to do. So Alan Turing, famous mm. computer scientist, was also a big gay homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh man, Wendy Carlos, am I getting her name right? She's a trans woman who's like massively influential um, uh, electronic music composer. Yeah. And I'm, oh, I can't remember anything she's composed, and I might be getting her name wrong, but there's this big crossover anyway between kind of like computing digital mm-hmm. technology and like alternative sexualities and genders. The Matrix Makers. Well, there we go. Yeah, uh, the Jawask. I can never say the Waski brothers, am, no sisters. I am so sh one t with names. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I know who they are in yeah. my brain, but yeah. when it comes out, it's like oh, Wachowski sisters. Yeah, was, yeah. I want to go with there. I don't. The like, guys who uh, made the girls who made the Matrix. Yeah, there were guys when they made it. Now they're ladies, right? Correct. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a slight, I don't know, technology and... Mm. Anyways, yeah, definitely. Yes. So I want to ask you a couple more things I've got written down in terms of... Um... But it's not an interview. Sorry? What? What? What's he whispering? <laughs> I was looking down. I'm terrible. If I'm not looking at you, I can't hear you because of my hearing um, issues. Um, but no, we've, uh, we talked about the, the library gig, but I did want to ask you a specific question mm-hmm. about your Twitter use. Oh, my Twitter I am use. fascinated Twitter by use. this. <laughs> but, well, I'm fascinated for so many... There's, there's two ways I always see you using Twitter, yeah, yeah. which is celebrating and, and really having fun with the whole idea of being a space station. Oh, my God, yes. And yeah. being a nerd. Right. You're a nerd about... You are oh a nerd God. about space. Let's be I honest. I'm sorry. Am. I love it. But, I cried the other day when that freaking Perseverance yeah, landed. It was immense. Was like, yeah, <laughs> Seriously. But there's that, right? But it's a total counter. Maybe this is the <laughs> rebel thing about your, your, your very uh, fruitful approach to calling out um, the civic 
Oh my um, goodness me. Failures or challenges that we're facing in I, the city so the last. One of my friends <laughs> said to me, you are a, you, <laughs> you're a messy bitch who lives for drama. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. Like that's fair. Right? And because what's going on at WCC at the moment is yeah. like, it's a farcical. And so I like, I feast on it. I'm like, what are those highly paid people that for some reason we can't recall up to today, mm. and they never fail to disappoint. It's almost like Trump it, again, from it, a perspective. I mean, possibly, when Trump was in, you'd like open up the computer right. every morning and say, "What happened? Right? What's happened? Late? What's yeah, the latest yeah. thing?" And currently, in the in the city, we're not really doing that well, so, so we're constantly going, "What's happening so next?" This is my like I mean. philosophy. Actually, what happens at a city, like at a regional council level or city mm. council level, is it regional? I forget. There's like We're local, local council, regional yeah. council, yeah, Greater Wellington regional. So it. what happens at local council has a bigger impact on our day-to-day lives than Indeed. what happens at the Beehive. Really, really, because they're mm. picking up our rubbish. Mm. Mainly, they're doing the roads. They're like the lights turn on and off. Transport. There's shit flowing down Victoria yeah. Street. We can't yeah. go for a swim because. Mm. And so I'm particularly interested in what plays out at council because it really affects my day-to-day life yeah. more than what's going on at the Beehive, mm. really, really. And because New Zealand's small and because we, I, I don't know, like I wish that we could have the kind of investigative journalism that a zillion billion dollars would buy. Um, and we don't always. And I've, I feel like we should pay attention to what's happening over there because it really mm. impacts all of us, like, a lot. Mm. And, and not just because people are ratepayers, but because it yeah. impacts people's lives. So there's this awful saying that gets thrown around in these discussions, which is we get the leaders we vote for. Ah, yes. And in some essence, it's right, because sure. these people won the popular vote, mm-hmm. whatever that means, mm-hmm. and people put them in these positions, yeah, right? Yeah. And then there's the other side of this thinking, well, you know, probably less people voted for them that didn't vote for them. So it's a system that is Look, a little bit... Mm-hmm. The, so this is a philosophy, right? Like yeah. one of the things that philosophers debate ad nauseum and over thousands of years is what's the best system of leadership yeah. for a group of people? Yeah. And probably I'm on team democracy, <laughs> but team, team democracy is not... There's problems with it. Yeah. It is not a, you know, it's not a panacea for happiness. So, so I suppose I'm leading two ways. I want to come back to the space, though, because I think oh, yeah. that's really important. Mm. But to finish up this <laughs> little bit, because I think we could just do a whole, like, <laughs> just chat about and get your involvement as well. But um, when are you going to stand for local oh, So I've thought about it, actually, yeah. thought about it. And people yeah. are like, you could. I don't know if I can be... You have to. Like, I was talking to my friend about it. So this will happen because I binge watch Parks and Recreation. We've watched it, and I'm like, I'm fucking Leslie Knight. Brilliant. I could do that. Yes, shit. Yes. <laughs> you could take. You could order it and tidy right. it all up and climb the ladder but and be so excited fr- about gardens and stuff. My and friend park. was like, if you run for office, you know you have to go and talk to people and like uh, be that. answerable to, mm. cons- to constituents. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> There is that interaction. That's I don't needed. know if I've. I don't know if I have got the patience. Right. I don't know. I don't know if. I don't yeah. know if it would be good for the city for me. To it, and it's okay just to point and say what is wrong versus it's their responsibility. Responsibility did, to put it right as well. Not I did check out their salaries, and I could live comfortably. Yeah. Do you think? Mm, it's like one hundred and forty k or something. It's yeah, like okay. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> keep me. Yeah. Keep but, um, yeah, maybe run for office. Sure, why not? My uh, grandfather was the mayor, you know. 
I'm thinking it's, it's got it in your blood, right? that leadership. Yeah. That leadership. And you can lead yeah. beyond, you know, without authority as well, you know, and I think that's what... I do have this tendency to be a leader, and I don't mean to, and quite often mm. I'll find myself somewhere and turn around and be like, why did you follow me? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's that false sense I'm, I'm of kind of hope. I'm just impulsive. Mm. <laughs> People like that. It's like a moth to the flame. People are like, oh, well, they must know what they're doing. Looks confident <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, so, I totally look confident, but yeah. um, oh, I'm just making Still it up. Done. Just making it up as I go along. Exactly. How did you feel when uh, Perseverance landed? Do you care about space? <laughs> I didn't know Perseverance landed. Yeah, unfortunately, I missed you know the the news. The not on Twitter, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought, but I did geek out about a little bit about the news oh, about Perseverance yeah, when I, they I, sent I, back. So uh, they they have this like rocket ship goes across from earth to mars it's in mars orbit it drops out the, this thing the next thing which has got a heat shield on it, it's flying through the atmosphere super fucking hot the heat shield it's good it's good the heat shield the heat shield's ejected now what is it it's like this other thing which drops out this thing which is about the size of an suv this thing's got like jet boosters on it so it like oh, burns it down and then like drops this like um thing with wheels and cameras on the surface of mars yeah. i'm like what what do you think Whoa. in terms of being like, <laughs> like a developer and you know understanding software in terms of how on earth do we land on? Like I, I know that complex systems are incredibly difficult to predict, and mm. like the fact that whatever modelling happened that meant that that could yeah. work, mm. and you only get one go at it. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing yeah. to me. It, it is. Eh? Yeah. It blows my mind. Like Especially the delay as well, isn't it? The, right. The, uh, in terms of like making I mean, something happen. This is not like, oh, we like brick to your phone, we'll send a software update. Mm. It's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's amazing to me. Yeah. And it kind of the thing that makes me cry is that this is what people can do if we like stop being assholes to each other. The human endeavour, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop sending, like, your ancestors into the mine so they never see the sun. Mm. You know, stop whatever is it in your thing where people are deprived. Mm. So like, mm. we can really do some cool stuff. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So what tripped me up about it all, apart from all that, as well as, was when they sent back the first little video footage where it was just panning, mm. but it had um, sound. And that really freaked me out in a good way because now you're looking and seeing a panning on Mars, just where it was, mm -hmm. but then hearing all the wind. Totally. And it's like, that's what it sounds like on Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird, but so familiar and like obvious, well, but different. Windy? Just yeah, very windy. It, sounded, yeah. it did sound like Wellington. Yeah. It sounded like Wellington on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so we so could live there easily. Basically, yeah. no wind chimes, no resin furniture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a better property up there anyway in terms yeah. of like, you know, insulation yeah. and stuff. But will um, we be living there one day? I don't think so. Yeah. I think um I would just read this really scathing um thought piece, uh saying that Sagan Carl Sagan, you know, like mm. this cool guy who inspired a lot of people, including myself with his cosmos show back in the eighties, talks about we really need to pay more respect to the one place that we're right, good yeah. at living on. Mm, yeah. And and then Musk has kind of taken that but turned it into this like ego fiesta. That yeah. I'm like, can, 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 from the from the, the nation that brought us the tale of te the trail of tears, could you not talk about the spoiling this alien landscape into this like fantasy green 
Like, when does the like urge to colonize? Yeah. It is an imposement again, right? right. A colonialism yeah, yeah, idea yeah. of, well, that place can look like what we, we want it to. Right, we can go take <laughs> yeah. from it the things mm. that I need to be wealthy and screw all of you bitches back here who are having the worst time of your lives because you were unlucky enough to be born into a low-caste family. Yes, and and the whole asteroid Man, mining is the same idea yeah. in my brain. Oh yeah, totally. So, yeah. I'm a bit more chill about asteroid mining because you know we need lithium, right? <laughs> How am I supposed to tweet yeah. about the mayor yeah. if it's yeah. not? Yeah. But I mean, lithium, but you know, yeah, life's complicated. It. <laughs> it is. I particularly, um, I'm very fond of the kind of like public space exploration for knowledge, and like much less fond of yeah. blasting someone's stupid electric car into orbit for their ego. Yeah. Like, this one fills totally me with agree. warmth. This one, I'm like, someone take take the controls off them. Yeah, sit down, you've had enough. And since um, <laughs> go home. Oh, my goodness, I've got a whole rant on it. Well, I was uh, trying to convince my mother that it was a good thing that we're exploring Mars in the way yeah, NASA's yeah, doing and, yeah, yeah. and some other people are doing as well. It's not just NASA as well. I think India was Sure, they put a space program. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. And, a couple of, and there was another... UAE maybe recently yes. put a, yeah. an orbit... In, That's right, it's three up there at the moment, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. there, mucking around. And wow. I'm thinking, great. Um, but the amount of technological and scientific advancement from these types of endeavours we see mm. returned on here, you know, the classic one, the MRI, mm. didn't happen, wouldn't have happened if we didn't have gone to the right, moon and right, stuff right, like right. that. Yeah, That's sure, the big sure. one, but there's so many other yeah, things that got worked out Appreciate with the space program. The limits on technology to it, yeah. see what else comes out of it. Yeah, In, yeah. indeed, yeah. Um, which comes back to one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Pat, about like the platform that you're now working with. Um, and I know you're, you're specifically head of brand and that you're focusing on the look and the feel mm. and the essence and the, the story and stuff. But I'm also fascinated about the democratization of access to these, mm. what would be only pale male and stale yeah. and very rich, yeah. would have yeah. access to the market to play in. That's Do you, it. would you, like, what's your summary yeah, of yeah, that? Yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, it used to be that you had to have your stockbroker, you had to be mm. connected, you had to have the money, it cost $90 a trade, and, and, and you know, don't, don't quote me on the exact figures, but it was, it mm -hmm. was expensive to actually, mm -hmm. you know, buy a share in Apple because you didn't have a way you could just set up an account and, and log in and do this. Um, and that's where, you know, technology has allowed, um, you know, platforms like Hatch to exist and to be able to actually make it really affordable that um, that people who, who may be going, hey, we are able to save a bit, but mm. as we said earlier, you know, it's not doing much in the bank, can actually just set it up super, super easily without having to um, go through those steps of a broker and high costs. And, you know, I, I even think back to kind of just after Zero launched and then and a friend of mine was um, very very closely involved um, with it and kind of said, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely one you should keep an eye on, maybe get some shares in. And, you know, the good, <laughs> the good old story that I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have with Zero is, yes, if I'd done it at that point, you, you would have made a nice uh, bit, a bit of money in how the shares have gone up. But, of course, I was, you know, 26 going, if an I don't interest. know how you, yeah. yeah. And also, just, I don't know how you buy shares. Like, yeah. You know? How would you back then, right? You yeah, would have had, to, had that broken. Yeah. And, and I think I kind of asked someone, and they're like, oh, you have to kind of talk to your bank or do this. And it was, ah, oh, too difficult, you know. Um, got to put pants on? What's that yeah. about? Yeah. So, um, 
but obviously with with you know this kind of simple UX and um, mm. and platforms that do mean that you can actually kind of be signed up super quick, be verified, and actually be um, buying something twenty four hours later. Um, What's the next step though? Like like that's an involvement in a in an industry or an access, sorry, mm. to an industry that you wouldn't historically have had, and it's not just. Mm. It's happened so quickly. It's probably like good two or three years, and yeah. now boom, everybody can. If you got a phone, smartphone to a certain degree, you can download an app and be trading, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. But that's like you said, four hundred years back, it's kind of started. So it matured to this. Mm. So what's the next bit? Even though we can tailgate mm-hmm. the acceleration a little bit, go okay, following this, it could be that. Yes, what is the next bit? Come on, because we want to know, so we can download it. And (laughs) and then you can build it. And then download it. (laughs) You know, I mean, obviously, as a a platform, it has future ideas, but... um, but in terms of you know what's what's next in terms of the financial world yeah. after markets, that's a fair one. Well, it was a, it was a cool big question. question there. Yeah, I, I totally yeah. agree. It was just I was thinking out loud. <laughs> um, so before we yeah. started this, I was teasing you about uh, the size of your billboard. Oh yes. And I say that with respect because he <laughs> has a massive billboard that he plays with, and he puts... No, I'm saying that last time I went to the Wellington Airport is the massive billboard right, outside. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And his brand's on it, Hatch. Oh. And I'm like, I always think that when I see it. It's good. Yeah. It works. And that's what we like. <laughs> we don't go to the airport as much as we used to. We don't. Oh, no but luckily, yeah. I was traveling domestically. Okay. So, yeah. 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 Even then, I'm just like, mm, maybe I'll stay home. Yeah. There's, yeah. But <sighs> how do you brand a new technology platform? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Like, I always laugh with that billboard because, <laughs> you know, people talk about brand awareness. Is it still there now? It's. I'm going to get a car no, and go and look at it. not as of today. Oh, damn it. <laughs> it probably was go. yesterday, but not in March. Um, oh, right. It's monthly, is yeah, it? Monthly, pay for a month. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, um, but I always kind of you know, find it interesting, like when people talk about brand awareness, that you know, we obviously want to get more brand awareness. We need to make sure that people know who we are. And, and I've, I've kind of always had this laugh of, well, let's just put a massive logo. You know, if that's <laughs> the ultimate thing we want people to know, let's just put a logo for safe. Um, and so, yeah, so we kind of, you know, whipped up this design of massive logo, uh, kind of, you know, little no small thing. call to action and mm-hmm. a bit of visuals. And um, luckily the team said, yeah, let's do it. Massive um, logo. Massive logo. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Just, you know, we can get all flat. Because usually, because I used to work in design, right, the clients would always be like, can we make the logo bigger? Yeah. <laughs> and, and all the graphic designers would be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but right. you're like living the client yeah. dream. Like, it's like more cowbell. We this. need more cowbell. We got the opposite. Yeah, and and, I and, love it. and you know it's interesting. I guess like I've seen it with a lot of things, and especially through like one percent, like coming from a creative right, angle okay. with one percent. You know, we're always kind of trying to do like cool marketing videos and messaging and stuff. Mm-hmm. But because we don't have much money to just brand get get the yeah, brand the out there, yeah. like. Um, when you make it a bit more difficult for someone to learn what you actually do, then you're going to get less people knowing. Yeah, so yeah, often yeah. it's like, just say what's on the tin. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell Probably. people exactly yeah, yeah, what you yeah. do. So I think the more the more I do marketing, the more yeah. it's like, actually, you know, we're not all a massive brand that someone already knows. Like, if, if you mm-hmm. are, it's kind of like people just tell them what, what they can do with your product or your mm-hmm. platform. Yeah. And, um, and it, yeah, so it keeps things cleaner in that way. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now kind of going back on that 1% and making sure, right, what have I learned from this? Get the message out there more. Just on that we are regularly giving made mm. easy. 
I know you're spending other people's money to do it as well. Yeah. Nicer, rather than the charities. Yeah. That being said, I do want to highlight something that I used to really delight in and still do when I see it, is the Generosity Journal. Mm. I don't know if you've ever come across the Generosity Journal. I'm a very selfish person. (laughs) I think you would like it. Just because there's a lot of stories, it's highly visual. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So what is the Generosity Journal and why did you do it with 1% wow. Collective? Because it feels old school, but it's I'll go back a little step before the Generosity Journal. When I was doing lots of photography, mm-hmm. um, I, I studied for like nine months in Wellington graphic design and we had to do an end of year project. And I was like, well, I've got all these photos of musicians that I've done. What if I could like interview them at the same time and just email them four questions and get their answers, put it in a magazine, put it out for free? Mm-hmm. Just for the hell of it as something different mm-hmm. for the end of end of year project. Um, it, and it took a while to work out how on earth I covered the print costs of mm-hmm. printing it because I was skint, you know, international student here, kind of working out how to stay in New Zealand, trying to find where I could get, oh, it was probably like $8,000 at that time to print this thing. Mm. Um, well, maybe it was a bit less then, but um, but we managed to, do, to get that issue to print, kind of just walk the streets, selling adverts to local shops. Um, but then, that issue went out and we had lots of you know amazing musicians and creatives and i was like cool done yeah. and then everyone said when's issue two coming out i was like ah <laughs> damn like i was like that was actually quite good fun um, so we ended up doing um, i think it was seven issues oh. and that was called exposure lifestyles so um you know crap name when i look back on it but we always laugh because we just call it exposure which works um but so that that was kind of a great way to meet a lot of people and really have this kind of beautiful portfolio in a way that you could put out on the streets tell interesting stories you know always remember some of the answers that taika gave us when we interviewed him <laughs> which i would never repeat now although someone will probably find it it's um you know pretty pretty intense so when we started doing the charity work it was like well hey how do we get stories out there without having to rely on PR and media and hoping that a magazine or a newspaper will share some stories of us. Well, what if we just print our own material? No one can say no. We give it away for free. (laughs) We don't need to sell it. So that was really where it was like the Generosity Journal was our way of going, let's bring those charity stories, some of the stories of people within the collective, some of the creatives who support us, um, and let's share it as a beautiful format that we can um, just spread around New Zealand for free, cafes, dentists waiting rooms um, and just inspire people to um, to obviously one gift gift our platform but just be, be inspired for different ways of generosity that we were talking about so um, so pretty yeah that's it and obviously with kind of my so design nice background it was yeah. kind of how you know we need this to be nice it yeah. can't be it needs to be a keeper it's not just mm-hmm. a quick kind of weekly gig guide that you throw in the recycling yeah. that week it's um, it really needs to be kept so and mm-hmm. um, so I'd um, I always got taught by my mom, you know, the worst they can say is no. So I just email artists that were like quite high profile, probably expensive to do things and just say, hey, we run this charity and we do this and I love your work. And, and then luckily, pretty much, you know, almost, almost probably 100% success rate. And people say, yeah, cool. I'll mm-hmm. be involved with the cover. Um, so, um, so was it a magazine? Like, what yeah, was the format? Yeah, printed right, right, magazine, right. yeah, a bit smaller, a bit bigger than A5, so you right. can kind of easily fit and it. Kind fit of it glossy. Yeah, gloss, yeah, full yeah. colour. Um, okay, sure. You yeah, know, yeah. matte paper and right. um, quite thick paper, yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah, obviously yeah. gets to that point of being more expensive. And, and, it's, and it's tricky because um, we didn't do one last year, obviously, with you know, the world of COVID, nobody really wanted physical magazines sitting in their... Uh, yeah, no one was going to waiting rooms. No, that's <laughs> it. There's yeah. a lot of reasons to not do it. And yeah. obviously, um, there was also, you know, um, 
financial challenges where mm -hmm. sponsors kind of didn't have businesses didn't have as much money yeah, to support us. So we kind of you know have just for the moment kind of gone hey on hold until we kind mm -hmm. of you know decide um, decide what what we do there and if we want to do another one. But I mean seven issues which is yeah beautiful to be able to. Mm. bring that and photography and how often was it like annually or well quarterly? i i kind of had like a term that i started using with exposure the original one that was just whenevery <laughs> I love Whenever. Oh, no, I relate. That's great. All of my projects are scheduled whenever. Yeah, that's When's it. your next gig? I'm like, whenever. It means you don't have the stress of a deadline. Right. It's, when it's ready and it's looking beautiful what? and the files are done. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. going to print. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, Whenevery. So, we're in that nice middle phase of Whenevery. So, I didn't say this before, but when I was self employed, I did like a heap of work contracting to ad agencies. So, I have this like okay. um, insight into the world of advertising and marketing that might not be. Apparent, yeah. But I can say three hundred grams. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, yeah, right. With regard to stock, yeah, you've had quite a, a variety of. I've just been working for a long time, as <laughs> what it is. <laughs> you just build up this mix over the years. Yeah, yeah. Job yeah. application development, Web Monkey. Then Web Monkey turned into contracting for ad agencies because they'd like have a campaign and then it'd have to be a website. Mm. And then then I did a lot of flash development for advertising. Flash, flash. Maybe I've paid wow. my rent for years. Um, and then, and then the global financial crisis happened, and that's when I kind of went back to salary world because right. I was like, oh yeah, mm. everything's kind of changed. It's uh, tough, salary world, when you haven't been in it for a long time, and then going back to it. And now, like yeah. the last couple of gigs I had, proper yeah. grown-up jobs, I negotiated a four-day contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like both I have, of them because I, I just like I don't yeah, like the yeah. idea of being full time. I can be yeah, four yeah, days yeah. a week, but not full no, time. No, like, you know, and I can make compromises as well. Like, I've probably got the ability to have some kind of leadership role, be on some kind of management track. I'm like, and I don't, because mm. I don't have the desire to pay that much attention to the job. Okay. He said, she said, tralala. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, because they want people who are full time, who are like completely mm. committed to it. And I'm like, yeah, I just kind of want to do the work. Mm. I'll do a good job. But and you also, then I'm going to go home. Listen, you, you need the brain space as well <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah, all totally. the other things. And five days a week is yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. intense on your brain. To mm. then you'd have to squeeze in all your other projects. Yeah, yeah. Into I mean, I hurt myself in a psychological way quite badly one year by like working full time and doing um, drag quite a lot. And well, at the end of yeah. it, I was like, oh, okay, that was too much. Yeah, just kind of back away from that level of engagement. Of course, yeah. Anyway, sorry. So I'm fascinated about the um, design and publication of your mm. um, whateverly gratitude yeah. journal. What yeah, yeah, generosity journal. Generosity yeah. journal. Generosity yeah. journal. Yeah. So what were the stories? So it was it was a bit of a mix. Like we to do like so we work we uh, currently we have 14 small New Zealand um, based charities that we uh -huh. work with. So people like Kibosh, Food Rescue, oh, Sustainable yeah. Coastlines. So we'd share stories, stories right, from them. Right. We'd also interview some of our donors, which is you know a mix of amazing humans, and kind of learn about who they are, um, some of the musicians that kind of support us. So, like the way that I really wanted to see it is like all the things I'd see if I was in the street. Um, let's say there was something around a charity. It, it's generally it might be a DL flower, or a postcard, or something trying to say, you know, donate now. We need your help. Um, or if there was any document bigger, it might be like an annual report. Mm. And there was nothing very like inspiring. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So yeah, it was yeah, kind of yeah. so essentially for us, yeah, yeah. it was like, hey, how can we, how can we, and put this somewhere that someone mm. will pick it up, 
and they mm. so we had people like Di Hanwood and Michelle Accourt and Ben Hurley would kind of tell some stories. It was around generosity, but it wasn't saying give to charity. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a way Just that how can we bring people's day to day world, people that they might recognise and charity names they might know a little bit about, and how can we mm. just kind of influence a little bit more knowledge in that space and inspire someone to feel happy reading this and and so it was really nice um, you know being able to kind of just come up with the concepts and just obviously have no no one else apart from me and the team to be like should we do this yeah cool i mean that's the kind of thing right about the creative stuff versus commercial creative stuff mm. because the mm. commercial creative stuff it's like there's some art director or, or a client there's always someone right yeah um, and there's a deadline and it just kind of like it's a different it's work. It's not. It doesn't have the same kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Because even like we worked with the sweet shop quite a few times, who yeah. who um, were nice enough to um, create some commercials for us that um, you know were insane, top value production. Like they mm. work with people around the world, and um, and the great thing was for them it was like an outlet that we were this small <laughs> organisation that loved their creative ideas. Whereas yeah, often they don't yeah, yeah, get. Yeah. Go Ideas would change as they kind of got yeah. more filtered down and yeah, watered yeah, down. Yeah, and with yeah. us, it was like, that's awesome. Let's just do it. Yeah, so, totally. That would have been stoked. Yeah. Like, so, yes. you know, for the directors and everyone, it was just this mm-hmm. chance to kind of an outlet of creativity. I always saw it as that it was a perfect humanization of not just the brand of 1% Collective, but the people behind it, the impact it has. And it was the human face of what you were endeavouring to do with it. Mm. And what was lovely, it was in an old school format that we would say now, a magazine. No one does magazines anymore, right? And it wasn't a zine, like you said, it was highly produced. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. You looked at it and it was like, oh, that looks good. Like, well, oh, it's fr- free? Okay, I can take this home. And it's just like, yeah, the amount of time. You smell it. Yeah, the whole smell. You got to smell. Did it smell like? Did it smell like methylated spirits? It, well, it was. <laughs> the, yeah, the ink is that was, a quality sign? Is you it? know, when you were kids and they had that machine and then the purple photocopy. It wasn't a photocopier. Okay. It was like a Mimeo machine or something. And oh, wow. they turn the handle, and then these purple duplicates would come out. Purple, like we'd like the school newsletter, and it always smelled like methylated spirits. <laughs> right? Is this like a small town New Zealand thing? Uh, I, think, I, I know what you mean with the thing. It's almost like the, the old credit card things. Yeah, you know? yeah. There like was before, that type yeah. of thing it was like before, before photocopiers. Before photocopiers. <laughs> you mean yeah, like yeah. an old person copying? <laughs> this is but, like there was a lot of like anachronisms in my childhood. <laughs> I had people on party lines, which is a phone line with like more than one house connected to it, right into the nineties. Because we're small town country life. So you'd be at one house partying and they'd be at. No, uh, there was like the phone exchange was a bit rubbish and so like five houses would have the same phone line. So the phone would (laughs) ring and all five houses the phone would ring. Yeah. Wow. Hold on, I remember something (laughs) flashback to do with your interview in terms of the one I listened to. God bless New Zealand. (laughs) How long was your phone number? Four digits. That was the thing. That was peculiar. In the 1980s, I I remember visiting my city, my auntie in Karori in Wellington. I'd be like, damn, she's got one of those long city phone numbers. (laughs) Far out. That's flash. Wow. I wonder who was 1234. I don't know, but my grandmother was 8686. You'll always remember that, right? Right. You'll always remember your first phone calls and first... Because that's how you used to answer it. I don't answer the phone anymore. People call, I'm like, what what is this? Is a time vortex? Like, (laughs) text me. (laughs) Snapchat. Yes. Exactly. Tweet me. So there's a phone app in there somewhere, but please... For the love of God, the only people <laughs> recruiters want to call though, if you're like looking for a job with a right. recruitment agency, I'm like, 
Hi, okay, yeah, thanks for making this super obvious. I'm looking for a job. I'm just going to go to a quiet room now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that awkward. Text me. <laughs> yeah. DM me, I think, is the way forward. Yeah, it's terrible, that. I loved, I remember the dial phones. Oh, yeah, we had one of those, yeah. yeah. Did, and then waited, especially if yes. you were d- doing a so zero, right? You could, there was a phone, you could do this with New Zealand um, pay phones back in the day, pick it up, you didn't even have to put money in it. If you yeah. tapped the, the thing one time, that would send a pulse to the exchange. And so if you tapped the tens compliment, you could dial a number without putting any money in. So if I wanted to dial my grandmother without putting 20 cents in for the call, I'd pick it up. Her number was 8686. Mm. And the complement of that is like 2424 because 8 plus 2 is 10, 6 plus 4 is 10. So I'd go, did it? Did it, did it, did it? Did it, did it, did it? And it would ring. Wow. You were, you were like an early hacker. I was like an hacker. early freaking yeah. hacker down by Mills yeah. Dairy, Dead. down by the Waikai River. <laughs> Just hacking my, to phone my yeah. grant. <laughs> yeah, who was the phone company then? You know, I don't know who told still me after that. You. It was Telecom. It was like telecom. a state-owned yeah. so, state company. Owned. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. If, if a state-owned company lost money, like because they put 100 televisions on the train in Napier and went, got to Wellington, there were only somehow only 80 televisions. <laughs> there was an official term for that. It was called shrinkage. Wow. And people would build that into. So this is like actually, I'm telling you something that someone told me. So I didn't. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's true. shrinkage. Shrinkage. Yeah. But I feel like that phone call was shrinkage. Yeah. It's pretty down to that. Yeah, but people right. should definitely observe telecommunication norms and rules <laughs> in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and be aware of legislation around privacy. Indeed, definitely. <laughs> so in terms of uh, validating your time here as well. Um, Love to wrap this up with a quick question around what have you learned from today? What are you going to take away from this conversation? I'm really inspired to do some more print stuff, actually. Right. Yeah, seriously. Um, I've recently, I'm paying for a license for um, InDesign at the moment because of like another project I'm doing. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, maybe I should like, yeah. There's enough print shops around as well and there's good prices out there at the moment. Yeah, or, you know, like Zen it up. Have laser printer yeah. will like mm. apply toner to paper. I can see a, a new comic coming out, a, a, a drag superhero type thing. I Talking about that spy thing when you were. Yeah, 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 totally. Drag superhero. Queen Olivia. Dun, 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 dun. Dash into a phone booth an hour later. <laughs> I'm thinking the other way around though. Dash in and you come out like, like Civvy. Just oh, to yeah. blend in, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I yeah, remember being in a show years ago, and it was like a, um, I was I did a bunch of um, theatre reviews one time. I know you're trying to wrap this up, but I have to tell my story. Yeah, and it. so we were sat at like a dining table with two other strangers, and this woman says to me, um, "Oh, I don't mind. Uh, I, don't, I hope you don't mind if I ask. What do you do? What, what's your like day job?" And I was like, "Well, actually, darling, it's perverse. I actually dress as a man." And go to the office. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good response. I can imagine her going. Because it's kind of true. It's like gender to me is like it's all busted. I'm like, I don't know. Why, I mean, I, I understand people get into it, but I'm just like, it just, everything seems to be on offer to me. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and there's a cis white, je- you know, male. I'm fine with that as well. And it seems that the cis white gender male has problems with that, that when you see online for some reason. And it's just like, why? Why would you 
restrict another person's view of what they think gender is for them. Oh, they're right. Yeah. What did you get from this? Yeah. I'm taking the rebellion. I I just, yeah, I like, because I think that's one one of the things that I think about with like 1% Collective is kind of what do other charities do and how can we be the opposite of that? But yeah, I've never kind yeah, of yeah. you know thought about the word rebellion there. Right. So I quite like kind mm. of you know taking taking that into um, into I guess our our planning our our ideas and how um, yeah how we can kind of stand out as something um, different and new and um, not just go with those charitable norms that have existed for a long time that a lot of people do not kind of um, doesn't resonate with them nowadays. Because that's just the world's changed, and but yeah. a lot of charities are still doing things in a very old school way. Oh, so, yeah, charity muggers. Yeah. Oh, those people oh, that so. stop you on the street. Yeah. My, I think my mum calls them Juggers? pavement Juggers. warriors. Pavement warriors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. Pavement warriors. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's kind of you know that's not a, not an experience people no. like. You know, how can we actually create the user experience of giving that people like? Well, the the magazine was a perfect example of that. I think yeah. if anybody is listening to this, thinking differently, just go and check out because I know that you can see some of them online. Yeah, pretty much. Our yeah. website, we've got some. What's your website? Some links in there. One percent collective dot org. One is that like. O-N-E? Yeah, okay. yeah all spelled. O-N-E, yeah. So I'm pretty sure when I was cool. setting up, I was like, oh, the web doesn't let you do a percentage symbol in, mm. in URLs. No. So no, it's a reserved character. Don't you do it. Oh. Mm. Is it reserved for space? I uh, always see it coming up in URLs at yeah. times. Like, so if you, see a, if you see a percent, the percentage says, okay, cool, the, the next following two things are going to encode something. So oh. percent two zero is the space symbol because 20 on the code table the space is located at position 20. I did not know that. Yeah. And the, you know, it can be percent da, 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 other yeah. things as well. Yeah. I'm a, Such a nerd. What this. I'm, a huge, I'm a huge nerd. I like read <laughs> Unicode stuff for funsies. Because right. <laughs> recently I needed to like, I'm like, I need to get, because freaking Twitter with its very homophobic 50 character limit on usernames. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a big reach. Character <laughs> limit, homophobic. <laughs> mm. I'm like, I can get Queen Olivia St. Redfern and I'm like, I need to get that the third in. And then I'm like, right, there's a Unicode right. character for the Roman symbol Three oh. and there's a ligature for saint, so like ST with the ligature because yeah. the S kind of goes across into the T, mm. which like meant that I could s- s- smush it all in. Yes, which meant spend some quality time looking over character yeah. encoding tables. Very, the name of my mobile phone is the Egyptian uh, hieroglyph for cat, which unsurprisingly is a picture of a cat. A cat, right? Yeah. Okay, fascinating. <laughs> well, while we're on symbols and stuff. My favourite ever symbol, punctuation mark, whatever you want to call it, something called the interrobang. I want to the interrobang. Of no, course I, I don't. don't. No. I don't. Um, I don't. You might dig it just because it, <laughs> it, it, it was a, an ad thing. It was like a brand thing. Someone came up with it in, in the print-in circle. Someone came up with it to try and reduce in print-in the, when someone says something in dialogue, for example, oh, it's cold coming in from the cold and say, it's really cold out there, isn't it? What do you put after that? You usually put a question mark and an exclamation mark together. Mm. Or if it's like a big exclamation thing, it's question mark, exclamation mark, times four, right? So in the printing industry, they came up with an interrobang, which is a question mark and an exclamation mark 
Ooh. Or combined, yeah. just imagine it combined with a dot at the bottom. Wow. And that's an interrobang. Interrobang. In, interrobang. Bang. So, yeah, in computer science, the exclamation mark is often referred to as the bang. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. So, so this is an interrobang. Yeah, and this guy came up with it, and it was a guy in a branding agency, yeah. and I uh, thought this will be good, it'll also save time, and it also looks really pretty, so we'll use it in some brand stuff oh. as well. Oh. And it, it kind of was like, a, like what happens when you throw petrol on a fire, it just goes woof, and then disappears again, and that's what happened oh. to it. However, you can still find it on special characters within yeah, yeah. It's, it's computers yeah, totally. yeah and it's, it's got its own yeah, unicode so there's a keyboard and, shortcut you can yeah, yeah, yeah if you're yeah. in old html you can find the yeah. old html unicode for it and turn it into a thing so yeah. that's my favorite look how nerdy that is my favorite <laughs> punctuation mark <Yeah>. is <laughs> or hieroglyph <laughs> you know well, i didn't know that was the direction it was going to take i can talk about encoding at length and i'll spare you all <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that's a great way to end scene right there. And scene. Any other final words to our sponsors? Queen Olivia STR on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> also look me up online at thequeenolivia.com. There we go. Thank you, people. Hi. Hey, thank you. Good evening, both yeah. of you, for being up Thanks for this and devoting your time because I appreciate anybody. That was episode 15 of Creative Welly. Thank you for joining us. As again, thanks to John O'Tucker over at Empire Films for producing the video podcast. Again, you're listening to the audio podcast, obviously. And David Hamilton over at Flashdog Studios for hosting us as well. Please do subscribe wherever you can subscribe to get this audio or video podcast. And check us out at creativewelly.com. My name's been DK and keep having courageous conversations with bold humans.